to another Ask Floss. We've got some real sticky ones this week, so let's get straight into it. Okay, question number one. Have you ever ended a first date early? Yes, I have. And there's a really good trick that you might want to use. If you're on the date and it's not going very well, when they excuse themselves to go to the toilet, you check the time. So let's say it's 6.30. You sneakily check the time. When they come back, you carry on the conversation as though you hadn't checked your phone. And then once the date is going, you go, oh, can you please check the time? I need to leave at seven. I've got somewhere to be afterwards. I've got to help a friend with something or I've got this other schedule, blah, 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 blah. And then when they go to check their phone, they're like, oh shit, it's quarter to seven. You're like, oh my God, I'm, I need to go. I need to leave. Thank you so much. Just going to order my car. Just going to get the bus home, whatever you're getting home. And basically it just looks like you got so lost up in the date that you were having such a good time that you lost track of time, but you have somewhere to be. And I have used that once. It worked really well. <laughs> And it was because I really didn't want to hurt their feelings because they were a really lovely person and I couldn't say it to them in the moment. So then afterwards, when I text them, I said how I felt about it and they were totally cool. But yeah, it was a really easy out if you're afraid of like conflict and directly telling someone face to face because I just think it's so... Some people will disagree with me. Some people will say you need to be completely honest on a first date. If someone told me they don't think we're a match on the date and I thought it was going really well, I think I might burst out crying. So if you're kind of averse to directly telling someone that you're not into them, which I definitely am, I wouldn't like it done to me, that's always a good way to do it is pretend that you don't know the time and then say you have to go <laughs> somewhere afterwards. Okay, on to the next question. What's the best way to deal with a boy who wants free therapy from you? Address the imbalance in the relationship. Well, well th this might be a friendship. Address the emotional imbalance. Say, I feel like every time I see you, I'm just being used as this vessel for your self-worth. In many ways, we use each other as vessels for self-worth because most friendships or, or relationships, sometimes they're not forevers. They are for nows and every kind of friendship or relationship I've been in before I've kind of retrospectively looked back on it and been like okay it wasn't the best thing for me but it helped me grow it helped me realize about myself but I think there's a difference between that and looking retrospectively on relationships as things that helped you grow and then being in something and using someone for your personal development and this is something that men do a lot with women I think my advice to acknowledging that a man in your life is using you for this therapy and emotional labor is to tell him and is to tell him and if it's someone that's in your life that you trust I think either way even if you don't trust you always get your answers when you confront someone with their actions I've been saying this to my friends recently who are going through some things with dating men is that you know that sometimes people can be afraid of um confronting men with their actions I've definitely felt the same before and I will likely feel like it again it's hard to confront men with their actions because we're too busy thinking about our safety or, or what that might involve if his ego's hurt but if this is a friend or this is your partner or whatever it's someone that you want to build with I would tell them and say listen this is how I feel can we talk about it? Always, always have a conversation. If you do want to continue something with this person before just completely cutting them off, because then you never really get to the root. What if this person says, oh my God, but I thought this is this is all you you offer me help. What, what if you're someone who's actually, this has definitely been my case before, where you're so codependent that you continuously offer help and then moan about giving it. That's something that I've definitely done before. And I needed to read multiple books on codependency <laughs> to help me out of this pattern of inserting myself into people's lives as a caretaker and then being resentful when they take up that help because I'm so exhausted. But who have I got to blame? Myself, because I'm offering it up to everyone. 
and their fucking nan. So definitely think about telling this person how you feel and having a, a mature conversation about it if that's possible. Okay, on to the next question. How to slide into a girl's DMs? I always think they should come to me, but I'm bored of waiting. Why do you always think a girl should come to you? That's my first question. If you are also a woman, then, you know, either of you could make the move. I assume this is a woman. Not many men write into me. I've definitely slid into girls' DMs before. I think there's this that me and my queer friends talk about all the time. There's a lot of stereotypes, particularly when you're younger growing up, about lesbian women being impossible to hang out with because they just fancy you. And there's this almost like awful homophobic predatory stereotype about lesbians just wanting to fuck every girl they meet. And it's just not true. And I think that if you, when you grow up and you're queer and you come out, or you're, you've always been queer, you've always known you're queer, whatever, there's always part of that that sticks with you and is afraid to make moves on women. But what you're asking, is for other women to make moves on you. And so inherently, you know that it's not predatory. It's not creepy. It's not weird. Definitely make your first move. You've asked me how to slide into a girl's DMs. Maybe reply to one of her Instagram stories. Something that makes you happy. Something you have in common. Um, Just be forthright with your attraction. I think a lot of the time, something I'm attracted to is when people are forthright with their attraction to me. um, Because it kind of shows that they are confident in their ability to get a date with you. Nothing's harder than confidence. Okay, on to the next question. How to move on from liking a girl who is straight? So this is like the biggest stab in the heart because she is never going to fall in love with you if she is straight. And how to move on from liking a girl who is straight, what you've got to understand is that every single time you choose her mentally, what's the opposite of choosing yourself? I guess you're kind of like, you're betting against yourself because this person is straight. So every time you kind of think that something can happen, you're putting a bid or a bet against yourself because you're saying, I'm choosing to like someone who I know will never love me back. I know love isn't always a choice and I'd be hypocritical if I was to sit here and say that's never happened to me. I've definitely liked people who didn't like me back and chosen them over and over and over again. But I'm speaking now from a place of wisdom where I know that it does. Eventually you get over them and you will meet someone or you'll be single and you'll be like, holy fuck, I can't believe I ever liked you. And you almost don't recognise the version of yourself that like this person. So my tip to moving on from liking a girl who was straight is pour the energy back into yourself, redirect it into your hobbies. And I don't know what kind of straight woman this is. Is this someone who's enjoying the fact that you like her? Or is this someone who's given you adequate signals? Have you even expressed your interest in liking the straight girl? Sometimes that can be a good way to be able to move on because you need a, a physical spoken rejection to move on. That might help you. There are so many ways to go over this. So I would definitely would advise considering any one of those. Okay, on to the next question. I've talked a lot about sex and affection with a guy I've not met yet. Will it be doomed to sex only? So I get that's an interesting one. I guess what you have done um, is set up the dynamic that sex is definitely on the table and I know that typically through experience through friends and hearing stories that when you set the dynamic up to begin with sex there is lack of incentive for the man to change from casual to romantic whatever if you have intentions of making this more romantic perhaps you want to express that also and I think that that's really scary and vulnerable for women to do to men especially if you've uh, not had sex yet or whatever is to say um by the way I'd definitely be into seeing where this could go it's scary but definitely fucking do it because then you're going to get your answer and I think a lot of the time we want to ignore these signs or these signs that this isn't going to be what we want it to be because that means we have to make a choice and then you have to make a choice of 
oh, this person doesn't have what I want, it's not going to nourish me, and I have to leave because now I have the answer. So perhaps by avoiding a conversation with this person about what you really want, it's a way for you to kind of pretend that it could be something. But also, you said you've not met him yet. So at the moment, it is this, like, nothing has happened. I say trust your gut, and if you feel like the relationship is going into a more sexual way and you want it to go more romantic, then honour that, express that. But at the moment, you don't know what you want. And so I think it's perfectly fine for you to just go and have your fun and see what happens. But check in along the way and don't be afraid to check in. Okay, on to the next question. More solo holiday recommendations. Where should I go and what should I do when I'm there? So I love Lisbon. I've been to Lisbon. I've been to Madrid. I've been to New York. What I like to do is walk around aimlessly, go to the most gorgeous little coffee shops, buy myself pastries, drink iced coffee and get my laptop out and write. I like to live my Carrie Bradshaw, Eat, Pray, Love era every time I go away. And it's disgustingly cliche, but I just think it's the most romantic thing ever is to sit and write in cafes. I like to journal. I like to set my intentions for the month. I like to listen to podcasts. Podcasts give me just like bountiful inspiration for journaling prompts as well, because suddenly you're you're this like fly on the wall with a conversation between two people talking about themselves or their lives and their relationships and what makes them happy. And it just makes you reflect on your own stuff. That's why I love podcasts. So listening to podcasts as well while you're away. There's something really brave and courageous, I think, about a woman going alone to a foreign place. Your intuition is off because you don't know the noises and the sounds and the traffic systems and all of this stuff. And you're just kind of getting used to it. And I think it's one of the most beautiful things you can do for yourself is to step out of your comfort zone and quite literally go onto a foreign land and explore it and trust that you will take care of yourself. I think it's great and I think you can do it and I think every woman should do it in their life. Okay, next question. Porn recommendations. So there is uh, an amazing porn website called Cheeks and I was introduced to them a while ago when I had a trial run with them before having them as a sponsor for my podcast. Cheeks, that's C-H-E-E-X.com. This is not sponsored, but I definitely recommend it. It's very sexy. Um, They have some really good queer videos on there. Also Dipsy, who I have been sponsored by, but this is not a sponsored one. It's audio stories. So maybe if you like to imagine yourself fucking someone else, but you like the sounds, you like the moans, you like the storytelling. Dipsy is also amazing. Okay, next question. Favourite comfort food? Probably Chinese food. Your classic, disgustingly English dish, sweet and sour chicken balls. Just because it reminds me of my childhood when we would get a takeaway and it would be like, oh my god, we're having a fucking takeaway. This is precious. This is special. This is a treat. This is amazing. So probably sweet and sour chicken balls. Or pizza. Just like all all the brown foods. Definitely. Okay, next question. (laughs) What suitcases do you use for traveling and what are your practical packing tips? I have these bright pink suitcases that I bought last minute for a trip recently. They're gorgeous. I can't remember what brand they are, but they're just bright pink suitcases. Packing tips. I'm the lightest packer ever to the point where I've spent weeks in places on my own and I've packed my single leopard print tote bag and managed to pack in a pair of leopard print platforms, all my knickers, a couple of crop tops, a couple of pairs of shorts and the shoes I was wearing and my laptop all in one bag. And that's all I needed for the week. So it depends what you're going for. Are you going to take pictures for Instagram? Are you going to go out and get dressed up. I just went to writing cafes. This was like a few years ago. And for some reason, I thought leopard print platforms would be great for Lisbon, even though it's like the San Francisco of Europe and it's very hilly. So yeah, just my my packing tip is pack light if that's what you want to do. But if you're going to pull some looks, pull some looks and pack all your shit in a nice little neat bag and try to pack everything into a cabin bag so you don't have to wait ages for the fucking thing to come around on that rotating luggage belt. 
Okay, next question. Would you ever do a meetup like a massive family picnic? Yes, I fucking would. I feel like all of my events that I do are essentially meetups. I'm happy if someone else wants to organize it and I can just put it on my Instagram. But I would love to do one that's kind of involved with my Instagram posts where I tell people to make friends and fly in the comments. I would definitely love to do speed dating someday and organize some kind of queer speed dating. I think it would just set my soul on fire. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girly? Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, no, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. tomatoes? Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. (laughs) If these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. Okay, next question. Favorite queer fiction novels? Um, It has a blue cover with a little chili on the front and it's called In at the Deep End. It's similar to Girl Crush in that it's dark. It's a dark queer novel. I saw the author speak at an event in London a couple years ago and I was just completely captivated by her humor and the darkness of what she was talking about. In at the Deep End is a really great one, but just warning, it does get very dark. A bit like my book, Girl Crush. It starts very joyful, but it gets very dark and it kind of takes you by surprise towards the end and it's quite tragic. And another one also is Bad Dyke. It's a tiny little book. It's quite a short story um, by Alison Moon. It was it was what inspired me to write Girl Crush, basically, because I was like, I want to do something like this. It made me laugh. It turned me on. And I handled a lot of dark themes very well. And it definitely, I think seeing other, other queer women do things just kind of gives me permission to do it myself and Thank you, Alison Moon, for doing that because I then went on to write a novel and feel like it was something I could do. So that was amazing. Okay, next question. Have you read The Song of Achilles you would love? No, I haven't. And now I'm going to read it because also one of the producers, one of the assistant producers here has said that I would absolutely love it. And I definitely trust her recommendation. So (laughs) I'm going to order that straight away. Okay, next question. What is burnout? How do I know if I'm burnt out or just being emotionally, physically, creatively demotivated? Hmm. I would say burnout is when you've likely exhausted all of your resources. Some people talk about it in spoons. I have this amount of spoons in a day and I don't have time to do X, Y, and Z. Some people talk about being emotionally exhausted with not not having a certain amount of spoons left, uh, using too many spoons for certain things, whatever. You can Google it, the spoons analogy for energy. Um... I think personally, I'll speak from my experience, burnout shows in my body. So I've just developed sciatica. I was also very poorly before that um, with a bad flu and a cold. And my body tells me when I'm exhausted and when I need to take a break. My body has shown me that I've been burnt out. So I've had to physically stop because mentally floss can go on forever. Floss can sit here and talk all day. Floss can sit here and write all day. It's my body that physically needs to stop working to halt my gears and to get me to stop. So that's how I explain burnout for me is that my body shows me when it's too late, essentially. And there are ways that you can add restorative practices in that are almost like preventative to stop you from 
becoming burnt out, which is some people get massages, some people do yoga, some people have a slot in their week that is dedicated to doing absolutely nothing but reading. And I think that my actually my book agent, Abigail Bergstrom, has written a really good piece on burnout, which she says that we're never really stopping. So when she's on her way to the tube, she's having a call with a client. When she's having a massage, she's under the bed on her phone ordering some flowers for Mother's Day. There's We're always filling our time and multitasking things. So even when you're relaxing, make sure that you relax. And if you want to read the rest of that piece, it's on Abigail bergstrom.substack I believe that's her uh, website okay on to the next question did I lose the love of my life how would I know I can't answer that question for you I I definitely don't know if you don't know because I don't know the person that you've lost in your life however if you're talking about losing the love of your life I want to go they're not in your life for a reason But there's also a situation in which you might have done something to erupt a relationship that was really healthy. There are very, very, so many ways that we can self-sabotage good connections that find us back later. I don't know the situation. And I'm really, really sorry, first of all, that you're going through a heartbreak and that you're questioning this. The whole, the one that got away thing can be one of the most torturous regrets of your life, particularly with friends that I've spoken to who have had that feeling. It's the thing that keeps knocking. So yeah. I would say I don't know if you've lost the love of your life because I don't know your situation and I wish you the best of luck on your healing journey and how you've asked me how would I know if I've lost the love of my life I don't know it's hard to tell when regret is because of something that you did wrong or when regret is something that's lasting because you have an idea of this person that was fictitious so for example you might be in a situationship with someone that lasts two months and then something happens and you have to stop dating and you for years you think they're the one that got away not because of actual fact that they are the one that got away and they're the best thing that ever happened to you and you fucked it up but because you never got to see the bad side of them so all you have in your head is this this romanticized ideal of them the what the version of them that you got to know for two months that never got to a point of being really bad because you never got to see the arguments you never got to that stage and so they live forever in your mind as this perfect person And that's the kind of fictitious narrative of regret that you kind of keep playing over in your mind because you never really got to know the real person. Okay, on to the next question. Where did you get all of your cute baby doll and cami dresses from? So one of them is Victoria's Secret Vintage. It's my blue teal one. Um, Some of them are passed down to me from my mum. Sometimes my mum will just randomly gift me a baby doll dress. Um like over I won't see her for a few months and she'll like come up to visit me in London and um give me a little baby doll dress I actually think most of my baby doll dresses are from my mum or vintage stores I got some uh one from um oh what's it called oh fuck I forgot what it's called um it's a place in Margate gorgeous little uh shop vintage shop in Margate that I got some baby doll dresses from vintage shops are the absolute best place to get them from and Yeah, I would definitely like to design my own baby doll dress one day because I think there is definitely a perfect way to have a baby doll dress and I have it exactly in my mind. Okay, on to the next question. How do you honour yourself when you get a period? I don't really particularly have any rituals for my period. I'm definitely really emotional on my period and I let myself feel all those feelings. I've also just started using a moon cup at the beginning of the year and um, that was pretty beautiful because you get to see what you've produced. And I think it's absolutely wild how much you produce in a day. And I know people have different um, like heaviness on their period and stuff, but 
there's something nice about having a moon cup and feeling I just feel more connected to my body with a moon cup um than I did using tampons and pads and stuff like that but I don't have any period rituals or anything okay on to my next question what pet peeves do you have mine is people chewing loudly I hate it people talking too quietly so I can't hear them and I have to get extremely close um people walking too slowly on the pavement I literally want to come bust I want to come bust I hate it when someone's walking in front of me really slowly um yeah those are mine okay next question when you're sad how do you pick yourself up sometimes I just ride it out so I just let myself feel it um, sometimes I'll talk to a friend. Friends can really help me. My mum really helps me. Um, bike rides also, although I haven't been able to do a bike ride for a little while because of my sciatica, which is just excruciating. But, um, bike rides always help me clear my head and listening to podcasts as well. Just bring me so much joy. Okay. Next question. If you could eat one fruit for the rest of your life, what would it be? Mango 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 like a nice firm but soft piece of mango you know when it, it's like I don't want it too firm that it bites like an apple but I want it to be not too soft that it's mush like the perfect mango the ones that are already chopped for you delicious okay next question are you into crystals I used to be into crystals uh, I'm getting back into using crystals now also and including them in moon rituals and cleansing them and putting them into water and stuff. I used to have one in secondary school that I used to charge on the windowsill and I used to feel like it protected me from when people were being mean. That crystal really helped me. Okay, next question. How do you make time living alone meaningful, not just passing time till you're with people? Um, I recently listened on a podcast, I think it was Glennon Doyle, um, where she said, oh no, it was Elizabeth Gilbert on Glennon Doyle's podcast. And she said she learned how to live with herself, not by herself. And I love that because that's exactly how I feel about my life. I'm living with myself. You're never really alone because there's always things you're going to be facing when you're with yourself and being with yourself, not by yourself kind of gives it, gives it this energy of actually having company with you constantly um living with yourself not by yourself kind of for me means um creating a life for yourself with yourself and seeing how you are in the absence of other people can be really interesting um if you're saying you want to make your time living alone meaningful why not create things? Why not try that childlike sense of play and do something that you've always wanted to do? Whether that's YouTube tutorials on yoga stretches or dance moves or painting something or listening to a podcast or writing something or journaling something or doing your morning pages, whatever it is you want to do. I th th those are the things that personally bring me joy and how I make my time meaningful or learning a new recipe and then looking at this thing, this beautiful thing that you've created afterwards and fucking eating it. That's wonderful. Thanks for joining me, my love. Same time next week. Love you. Bye.